You're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. All right, my friends, welcome back to the show. If you are brand spanking new to The Kelly Track Show, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. Always good to have you here in the house. So before we get started today in this juicy episode about rejection and getting rejected by literary agents like crazy, I want to invite you to take my totally free and super fun quiz called What's Your Zone of Genius? So if you have ever been wondering, oh my gosh, what makes me special, what makes me stand out in the market. Everybody else on Instagram is selling the same thing that I want to sell. How am I going to be unique? It's all about finding your zone of genius and monetizing it. So take this crazy fun quiz and within two minutes, I'll be able to tell you what your zone of genius is. People have told me that this quiz is crazy accurate and kind of creepy because it's like I'm reading your mind, but I just made a really great algorithm and it's hundred percent free. And once you take the quiz, I'm also going to send you a free five page report that breaks down your genius type in detail, what you could sell based on it and how you could be monetizing it, how you could be making 10 K months uh, with your zone of genius, as well as an overview of how you can get started building your business, especially if you want to build a digital business with one-on-one services and online courses. So you can take the quiz and get your free five-page report at kellytrack.com slash genius. That's kellytrack.com slash genius. All right, let's get right into this episode. So in the last episode called The uh, Nine Secrets to Thinking Like a Six-Figure Entrepreneur, I talked about a bit of my journey towards getting a book publishing deal, and it has been a crazy road. And if you want a little bit of the backstory on me working towards this book, go listen to that last episode. I'll fill you in on the details. But in this show today, I want to talk to you about rejection and what I have learned from getting over 200 rejection letters and just some of the key things that I am honestly learning in real time. I started working on this book in January of 2020. It's May 2020. And I want to share with you just some of the major key takeaways that I am learning in case they're helpful to you and supportive for you. You know, one of the biggest things with this book is just how big I have to play with it. And it's just pushing me out of my comfort zone. It is me showing up in a whole new level. It is a whole other ball game. It's really exciting and fun and I'm so excited for it, but it just has been really requiring me to level up, step into my self-worth, not waver, not settle, uh, ask for what I want. And it's just been a process of learning that. So I want to relay to you some of the top things that I've been learning in this journey. Also, let me clarify what I mean when I say uh, 200 rejection letters. So in the terms of getting a book deal, when you're working in publishing and you want to get traditionally published by a publisher, you need an agent. You can go right to the publishing house, but the publishing house will not negotiate a good deal for you. You want an agent to negotiate a very good deal for you and make sure you're getting your fair cut. Uh, and also they know the ins and outs of royalties, foreign rights. If you sell your book in you know different parts of the world, when it comes time to turning your book into a movie, they handle all that. They make sure that your royalties from the book get deposited into your bank account. An agent is super helpful. 
An agent is also the person that works between you and the publishing houses, right? So they have all the connections to the big publishing houses and the small indie ones, and they work with you. They kind of spruce up your proposal a little bit, and then they take it on submission, uh, which means they submit it to all the publishing houses and they try to get you a deal. And then if they get a couple deals, they come back to you and they're like, Hey, so-and-so offered you a deal. And so-and-so wants to do this deal and you pick who you want. So they are such a key partner. So that's what a literary agent does. That's who I have been trying to pitch because you have to pitch yourself to each you know, agent that is a, is in alignment with you and your project and ask them pretty much, Hey, will you represent me? So I have been sending out these emails, uh, like crazy <laughs> to get, uh, an, a literary agent. And so far it's been a bunch of no's, but I have gotten super, super close. I'll talk about that later in this episode in tip number six. So you want to stay around until the end to, to hear about that. But in a nutshell, every single week I am pitching my dream, pitching my vision, uh, putting myself out there and, you know, every single day in my inbox, when I wake up, there are emails back to me saying, sorry, no, thank you. We're going to pass. Not the right fit. Uh, your following's not big enough or sometimes straight up. I don't really like your idea. And I'll talk about that later. So that is sort of the nutshell of what it's like to put yourself out there in terms of getting a book publishing deal and trying to get a literary agent and then having the rejection. So I just wanted to give you that back content. So it's super clear for you to understand. So my very first thing that I have been learning is that you have to really, really, really love what you're pitching. Uh, it comes down to business too. You got to really freaking love what you're selling, right? You got to believe in it so freaking much, you know, trying to get a book publishing deal is very similar to trying to get people to buy something that you sell, right? You got to position it properly. You got to like put yourself out there. You know, not everybody's going to buy. So you got to make sure you reach a big number of people so that a small percentage will actually purchase, go through checkout, <laughs> uh, add it to their cart, you know, business and book publishing is really similar. So I'm super lucky that I have that business background coming into this because it just makes this whole process much easier. Like I'm already very familiar to the world of rejection. People don't buy everything in my, in my business, right? I have people that don't buy anything, right? And if I have a launch, not every single person who watches my webinar is going to convert into a paid customer, right? And that's just normal. And that's just regular life. Like if you go into a store, it's not like you buy every single item in the store and then walk out with a huge armful of shopping bags. So I've kind of already known that going into this, that I was going to get rejected, but I kind of didn't realize how much I thought I would be able to get a literary agent, honestly, within a couple of weeks. I was like, oh, my proposal's really good. My query letter is really good, which is like kind of like the cover letter you send out to agents saying like, hey, will you represent me? This is what my book is about. This is me. Do you want my proposal? And do you want to read more? But with so much rejection, just this big thing that I have been remembering and relearning that I want to pass off to you is that you have to love it because this is no small feat, right? This has taken me months and I've had to write an entire book proposal. It's, you know, 50 pages. It's the whole book in a nutshell. I am showing up every single week to email these agents, search for these agents. It's, it's a lot of work because it's not like there is just one big database where you go find agents. Like you kind of search around and then you have to click on their websites, see what other books they represented it, see, you know, what kind of styles they like. Certain agents only take certain kinds of books, certain kinds of tone of writing. My tone of writing is uh, pretty funny and witty and I have a lot of swear words and I talk like myself, like I do in this podcast and not everybody loves that. So with a big project like this, you absolutely have to love it and you absolutely have to believe in it. Like 
Nobody else is going to believe in it for you in the same way with your business, your dreams. Nobody else is going to believe in it for you. It's up to you to kind of carry the flag, to really carry that torch. You know, nobody else is going to be emailing literary agents other than me. Nobody else is going to be fighting for my dreams more than me. You know, it's, it's me and it's the work, right? And it's me doing the work and it's me showing up and it's me, uh, stepping into my worth. Like it is me in the arena doing it like, and doing it in real time and doing it live. And because the journey takes time and it is frustrating and heartbreaking at times, and you get so much rejection that you're like, Jesus, is this even good? You have to, on a deep down level, really, really believe in your message and love love what you're creating. A book deal is not a get rich quick scheme, like at all. You know, I sometimes see lists of ways you can make money online, right? And one of those comes down to royalties and people say like, oh, you can make so much money if you become an author and you write a book. Well, most books do not sell very well. Uh, most books don't do well at all. There's like the small bucket of books that do super well, but on average, um, in terms of royalties, you might be making like a dollar a book or up to $6 per book. Okay. So if you're making a dollar a book, you need to sell a million copies to make a million dollars. <laughs> and that's uh, easier said than done. So getting a book deal is not a get rich quick scheme by any means. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of time and it's one big project. So you have to have your heart in it. You can't be doing it for any other reasons other than you love it and you want to write it and you really believe in your dream and your vision. And Man, on the hard days when I just get rejection after rejection and, you know, rejection from the agents that you want, which sucks. That's always the worst because I have my list of top agencies that I would love to work with and like really great agents that have brokered like great deals and work with like my idols and authors. You know, I would love to have those people as my agents, but when they say no, man, it kind of sucks sometimes. It kind of stings. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> um, and I have to come back to the fact that, you know, what I have is good. And sometimes that looks like honestly me rereading my proposal and I read it and I think, gosh, this is so good. This is so funny. I would totally read this book. I need this book. This has never been written. And I have to literally go back to the proposal and remember why I'm doing it and remember why it's so awesome. So number one, you got to love it and you got to believe in it and nobody else is going to do it for you. And you got to do it yourself. And if you are not there 110%, <laughs> don't bother because it is, uh, it is a bit of a tough road and it is not for the faint of heart. So love it believe in it, um, and really, really be there for it. Now, number two is something that I've really had to learn through this process, and it is to not waver in your vision. So to give you some context, when you sign a deal with a traditional publishing house, you are actually, you're giving them your, your whole IP, your intellectual property, your system, your way of doing things. And it is now owned by the the publishing house, right? So when Jensen Shiro wrote, you are a badass, uh, the running press owns that body of work. And when you sign these deals, they own your work for your entire lifetime plus 70 years after you die. So it is quite a big contract and uh, you're, you're signing off your idea and you're signing off your, your stuff, right? Because if they're going to actually put the money behind making the book, printing the book, distributing it to publishers, obviously the money and expenditures on their ends of having editors, of having people who are making the cover art. It's a lot of money to have a book publishing business. So they now own your idea, right? And they're in, they're in charge of that. So you are kind of, when you, when you choose to publish traditionally with a traditional agent in a publishing house, you are giving up a lot of control. And it's not just your input on what you want for the book. You have to listen to 
to the publishing house. You have to listen to what the, your editor wants at the publishing house, and you have to listen to what your agent wants. And there are so many other voices who can influence your writing, what goes in the book, how you write it, the tone, the stories, uh, turning down the tone, turning up the tone, you know, use less swear words, make it more like this, do it like that. There's a lot of influence. Now, I knew this coming into this because I did my research and I, I knew that you had to be flexible with your agent and your editor and your publishing house. And you could not be a prima donna and you cannot be uh, a drama queen. You have to fight for what you want, but you also have to be flexible because you're working with a business that is paying up upfront for so much capital to get your book out there before you have even sold anything, right? It's it's publishing is it's harder these days because it's all print, right? And there's no guarantee that you are going to sell unless you have a huge following, which is why having a huge following is such a key thing of getting a book deal. And I'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode, but you want to make sure you do not waver in your vision because I had an agent. I got very close to signing an agent. And one of her main questions was, I love your stuff. I think you have a great tone of voice. She's like, I love your writing. But she said, I think your book uh, could be a little bit different. And she wanted me to write a book that was more about how to position yourself in the workplace, how to advocate for yourself. If your employer wants to give you a, um, a cut on your paycheck, like how do you advocate for more money? Um, and it was very much like advocating for yourself in the workplace. And do you know what I said? I'll let you think about what I said. I said, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is really embarrassing, and I'm just telling you really honestly. Man, I failed that test so bad. I wanted, you know, this was like my first call with an agent, a literary agent, and when they call, it's like a really good step. You're either getting a yes, I want to represent you, and it's like a formal call, um, or they're looking to clarify. But anyways, you're getting super close to a yes with a literary agent. So when I was on the phone with this person, I was like, oh my gosh, I will edit this book. I will, you know, make the book however you want it. I understand that I have to be flexible with the publishing house and uh, you and my editor, and I'm so open and I can tweak, I can pivot, I can make it relevant in the ways you want. Um, sure. I can totally do that. Okay. Real talk. Can I write a book like that? Absolutely not. And I knew that the second I said that, and I got off the phone, I had this sinking feeling. Cause I was like, Oh crap. I like cannot write that book. And she wanted me to update my proposal and resend it back in. And I had the hardest time updating it. And I already knew going back into my follow-up uh, like meeting with her, I was going to say like, look, you know, I really can't. Like I, ha I can only write one kind of book and it's the book that I know and it's the message I know and it's the book I want to write. And I just kind of learned that the hard way. You got to be sure that you are sticking to your vision. And this goes with the same thing uh, with your dreams and what you're building and what you're creating. You've got to go with the vision that you want, not what other people want for you, because that's no, that's not cool. That's no fun. You know, the universe has such a specific gift and vision that it's given to you. And it is your job to take it and to say yes. And you have been given a very specific message and a very specific calling and you know what you want to build, you know what you want to create, and you know what you want to make. And I really believe that that's not random. That is intentionally put there by the universe. So whatever your vision is, it's because, you know, the universe has given you that vision and it wants you to put it into the world. And everybody's vision is different, right? Because we're not all going to make the exact same thing. So 
my reminder for you here and the reminder that I've had to really learn and kind of learn the hard way is don't waver in your vision. Um, be really clear about what you want to make, be really intentional about what you want to make. And as Lacey Phillips would say, be willing to pass the tests. I did not pass the test when the person was like, Hey, can you write this book? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, Oh crap. I like totally cannot write that. And now I have to have an awkward conversation. You know, I should have said, sorry, no, right off the bat. And it's scary when you have somebody interested in working with you, or maybe this is a potential client or a potential online course student. And what they want is totally different than what you offer. And maybe you're thinking like, oh my goodness, gee, I could work with this person. It's not usually what I normally do, but, um, I could help them and it ends up being a disaster, right? We all, we all know those kinds of experiences. So, Something that I've been really learning in this phase of rejection is just not to waver in my vision. I have to honestly be so clear about what I can write and what I cannot write. I have zero years of working in the corporate world full-time. I've had summer internships uh, and ever since graduating from business school, I have been an entrepreneur full-time. Do I know how to advocate for yourself if you get a decrease in salary at work? No, no. Like, I, I have never had a conversation in my life like that. Could I go out there and probably research it and ask friends and get input and write a book? Sure, but that's like a terrible way to write a book. That's like having no experience. I would feel totally shitty writing a book that I know nothing about. So always make sure that you are rock solid in your vision and do not waver. Don't listen to what other people say. Write the book that you wanna write, create what you wanna create, sell what you wanna sell, and be willing and be able to pass the tests when they come up. So number three is in a sort of a similar vein, and this is about being in your worth. Gosh, I'm sure as you can tell, like I've been having to really learn how to really like stand up for my dreams, stand up for my worth, stand in my power. And sometimes that's scary and sometimes that's hard. And with point number three that I want to share with you from so much of this rejection, I've also had to really learn how to really be in my worth. So I was talking to my dear friend and former business coaching client, uh, Christy Vale, and we were talking about book deals and book advances. So when you sign with a publishing house, they are like, okay, great. We're going to cut you a check. So you get money up front to work on the book and you only kind of get paid royalties after you recoup in book sales, like what your advance was. So I was telling Christy that I really wanted to work on this book so bad that I would literally write this book for zero or a thousand dollars, man, obviously <laughs> you can just tell how desperate and thirsty I, uh, was energetically at that point to get a book deal. I was getting pretty frustrated with the rejection process and I'm starting to think, gosh, whoever offers me anything, I will just take any agent, uh, any publishing house, any kind of advance, I don't care, I'll take it. Man, that is so not in your worth because if I look at that in other areas of my life, like my business, for example, if somebody said to me, Kelly, I wanna hire you as my coach, but I'm only gonna pay you zero dollars. I would say like, fuck off. <laughs> I'd probably say it really nice, but in my head, I'd be like, hell the fuck no, no. I can't do it for free, but here I am being all like, totally out of my worth around this book deal because I want it so bad that I'd be like, oh my God, I'd do it for free or like a thousand dollars. That's all I want to write it so bad. Give me this book deal. Okay. That's not a very good energy to be in, but that was the energy I was in. And I have an expander as Lacey Phillips would say, um, this chick that got a book deal and 
I, um, I have subscription to this platform that shows all the book deals and who were the agents that brokered the deal, how much these people, how much the authors got in terms of advances, which publishing publishing house they signed to. Um, and this chick who is very much sort of on the same wavelength as me got a six figure book deal, which means they paid her like a hundred grand, uh, to, to write the book. And that was her advance a hundred grand. Now I had seen on this platform, it's called Publishers Marketplace. I had seen other authors get advances that were upwards of like six figures, sometimes even seven figures. You know, you can get as much as you want. You know, I'm sure Michelle Obama's advance was freaking huge, right? Because everybody, you know, the publishing house knows that everybody's going to go out and buy Becoming by Michelle Obama, right? But I did not realize that that would be possible for me. I have done my research and I realized, you know, a lot of first time authors, you know, you're lucky if you get between eight to $15,000, right? But then I realized, you know, this other expander, she got six figures because she's in the similar vein of what I teach. I found another expander who's also doing similar work. She, she does consulting for companies. She doesn't have a huge Instagram following, but you know, she does like corporate workshops and stuff. And I realized, wait a second, I could be getting way more in an advance. And then I listened to another expander um, and it was two ladies who had a podcast and they had a book deal and they were talking about how um, they were negotiating for a higher advance because they needed a big advance because they would have to give up time working on their business that was already making them six figures to work on the book. So they needed to make sure that they were compensated well enough if they were going to be giving up time on their business that was making the money in order to work on this book. And these people got a six figure book deal because I saw that in publishers marketplace, because you can see all the stats and what they got in terms of advances. And then I had my light bulb moment of, Oh, what the hell? I should be getting a six figure advance because I make money in my business. If I have to write up a book, uh, that's going to take away time from my business, from my main source of income. If these other three expanders who do similar work to me are at similar levels to me, they got six figures. I could totally get six figures, but this was a worth, you know, self-worth thing that I've had to own. And it was not there in the beginning because like I said before, I would have been willing to do the book for free or literally a thousand dollars. And it was Christy Bale that was like, um, I think you could be like, I think you could ask for more. I think you could be a little bit more in your worth here. <laughs> and she said it so gently and so politely. And that was really the light bulb switch in my head of like, yeah, you're totally right. And then I realized how energetically thirsty I was for this book and how I was just, I had so much resistance, I guess, as Abraham Hicks would say around this book. So that's tip number three, be in your worth regarding your dreams uh, and regarding going for what you want. You know, don't be weird about asking for what you desire. Be in your self-worth and self-worth and money go hand in hand. I teach that in my course, Your Money Mindset. But you know, here was an example of me not doing this at all and me now really exercising that worth and knowing what value I bring to the table. And you know, the next time I go into a conversation with a literary agent or a future conversation with a publishing house, I'm going to be in my worth and say, yo, these three chicks, they all got six figure advances. You should give this to me too, because why not? And I deserve it. And I'm awesome. And I hope that little tip was also helpful for you in case you are feeling not in your worth or you find yourself settling or taking whatever comes your way. Just have that reminder to be in your worth. You deserve it. All right. Number four, not everyone will like you. <clears throat> okay. So one of the biggest things I've learned from 200 plus rejection letters, 200 and counting, cause I'm still emailing and trying to get more agents. Um, 
there are people that are not going to like you. And this is something I teach in business. And this is something I think about a lot, but you know, if you are not polarizing, you're probably not doing it right. If you're not pissing some people off, you're probably not taking a big enough stand for something. You probably haven't really put your foot in the ground and say, Hey, like this works because if you want to be known for something, and if you want to have some sort of body of work and some sort of framework, that means you have to put down your foot and say, Hey, this is it. This is how I do it. These are the steps. Uh, this is, this is the content, right? This is my offering, whether that's a book or an online course or what you teach in a coaching package. You're like, this is the method. Now, as you may have seen, the world and the internet is a polarizing place. You know, I say build a business with one-on-one services and online courses. Other people say build a business with eBooks and retreats. Some people say only have evergreen courses that sell 24 seven. Some people say only do your courses live and live launch them twice a year and close the cart. Some people say find your zone of genius and stick within that AKA me. Some people say be a jack of all trades, be a multi-passionate, monetize all your dreams. Some people are like, all you got to do is focus on your Pinterest strategy. Other people are like, spend all your time focusing on Instagram strategy. Okay. Right. It's, it's polarizing all the time. Do this. Nope. Do that. My way is the best. Nope. This is the right way. Everybody has their approach. And I am sure there are people out there that teach the exact opposite of me. Okay. The exact opposite. (laughs) And with this book, so I don't really want to say what the book is about, but it's, it's a topic that I've been teaching on for a while. So you can guess it's not going to be anything crazy new. Um, but for surprise and secrecy, I'm not really saying what the topic is, but I did have this one agent who emailed me back and sent me the rudest rejection letter ever. And she said something along the lines of this, I would read it verbatim, but I deleted it because it was negative energy in my inbox. Dear Kelly, I don't buy your concept. I don't think this works. Nevertheless, best of luck with this project. Bye. She literally told me she did not buy my idea. She didn't think my concept was legit. She didn't think this was a real thing. She thought this was not, not a thing. And I, I was like, what? I was honestly taken back for a second. I was like, you random literary agent, you're going to tell me this thing that I have taught all over the globe to students in my courses all over the world that this process doesn't work. I have built a freaking six figure business off this thing, teaching this thing, stressing this thing. Students and clients that have done this path have gone on to replicate my success and make consistent 5k and 10k months with their business. They've built businesses from scratch with this process. They've launched courses with this process. Some clients are running six figure businesses with this process. Some clients are running businesses that make half a million dollars a year with this process. And you are going to tell me that this process doesn't work and you don't buy it. I did not email her back any of that. I just deleted the letter I put in my Excel spreadsheet of literary agents. Uh, nope, she doesn't want this. Uh, move on to the next. But why am I telling you this? Well, not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody is going to think that your way is right. So I'm going to share another, another example of this. So I run ads to my quiz called what's your zone of genius. Okay. So that's a very popular quiz. So many people have taken it. Over 5,000 people have taken it so far, Um, but I run ads to it. And the quiz pretty much says exactly what I said at the opening of this episode. Uh, What's your zone of genius? 
essentially in a nutshell, you know, my whole theory of figure out the one thing you're great at and monetize it, build a business based on the, the thing that you're really, truly great at. And I have all these randoms commenting on this ad saying, Oh, like this is stupid. You shouldn't find your zone of genius. Like you should be a master at all trades. This is dumb. And obviously these are like spammy, you know, loser comments, but it just goes to show that when you take a stand for something and you're like, Hey, this works, there are going to be people on the other side of the table that say, no, it doesn't. And that's just life. And people are not going to like you. Not everybody's going to love everything you make. People are going to think your ideas are stupid. People are going to think what you have to offer doesn't work, right? Like this literary agent who literally told me, no, I don't think this is going to work. I think this is stupid. She didn't say it like that, but that's pretty much what she said between the lines of I'm not representing you because I don't buy your concept. In my heart of hearts, I know this concept works because I've seen the success in my life and in clients' lives, right? I have success story after success story on the success stories tab of my website of everybody else who's used this freaking framework. And this chick is gonna tell me that she doesn't think it works. That's fine, but that's life. That email from her, kind of pissed me off because it was my first rejection letter out of 200 where she kind of actually said to me directly, like, I don't like your idea. And it kind of stung a little bit on the inside because I was like, man, if I write a book formally, I realize there's going to be a lot of other people that don't like my book. And, and how do I know this? Well, have you ever looked at the Amazon reviews for your favorite book? Well, no surprise here, but I love Danielle Laporte's The Desire Map and Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass at Making Money. Those two books have fundamentally changed my life. And if I go look at their Amazon reviews, there's a lot of people that have left them one stars and have said these books, you know, don't work or stupid or I don't know what the hype is. And it's, it's gobsmacking to me because these books have totally changed my life. And I realized if I write a book... I'm going to get people in both buckets, people who leave me the one star review and people that leave me the five. And I just have to be okay with that. And you got to remember that not everybody is going to like you and that's okay. And if you are pissing some people off, you are doing it right. If you're trying to make everybody happy, you're not taking a stand for what you believe in and you're being way too vanilla. Now, this also really digs deep into my shadow as I have been studying through uh, my favorite book right now, which is The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. P.S. I will link all of my book recommendations in the show notes that I list in this episode for you. But a huge key part of my shadow and something that I'm not proud of and something that I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but it's true, is the fact that I want people to like me and I want people to, you know, always think positively of me and have a high regard for me. And I want to win over everybody. You know, one of my key strengths on the strengths finder test is woo winning over others. I want to win over everybody. I want everybody to love me and be like, Oh my God, Kelly track is the best. <laughs> and when I notice other people getting pissed off by me, it kind of stings. Right. And this year I've really started playing bigger in my life and with my business. And that means getting weird troll comments on my Facebook ads. I've been getting some, honestly, some shade, like on my Instagram, people commenting snarky things on my, uh, my Instagram feed, people sending me rude DMS. I've been getting troll emails almost every single day in my inbox about like, you suck. One chick literally wrote me last night and she wrote, I hate you. You know, one person told me you're failing. This is stupid. Fuck off. That's just trolls being trolls. But I've really noticed it come up more and more as I've played bigger and bigger. Not everybody's going to like you and you have to be okay with that. And that's something that I just have to remind myself. And when I get that sort of shade in my DMs 
first and foremost, I always go back to what Bernie Brown says about people in the arena. And you know, there's so many people that want to judge the folks in the arena. And you know what? It's fucking hard to be in the arena. And if you are not putting yourself out there and playing big and showing up courageously and going after your dreams wholeheartedly, and you're not freaking playing in the arena, I'm not going to listen to you. Right. And I learned that so well from Brene Brown. Bless Brene. She has taught everybody so much, but I just want to pass that reminder off to you as well. If you are getting shade or uh, annoying messages or people aren't believing you or people tell you it's dumb or people don't believe in your dreams, just remember, do not listen to the folks that are sitting in the stands. Don't listen to them. Okay. There's a lot of cheap seats in the stands. It is hard to be a gladiator in the arena. And if you're not in the arena getting your ass kicked every single day, then I don't want to hear from you. And the exact same thing should apply to you and your dreams and your vision. And honestly, this has just been me having to deal with the side of myself, right? The side that wants the people place, the side that wants to apologize. When people write me mean things, especially in my Instagram DMs when there is a face, right? And a name associated with them. It's a very different energy than when somebody sends me a trolley reply on an email to my, you know, inbox. My honest gut reaction is to make amends and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, let me do this for you instead. My, my gut reaction is to bend over backwards so that they like me and I make amends. So me really having to get okay with people not liking me has been a big thing I've been learning this year, especially with this book, because it's challenged me so much to play bigger. So I'm just passing that off to you too. It's okay if not everybody likes you and it's okay if people don't love what you have to say. And if you write a book one day, you're going to get the people that love you and give you five stars on Amazon and people that give you one star on Amazon. And you just have to get okay with that. And remember that it's not about you, it's about them. But in the moment, it can be so hard and I'm just relearning that lesson right now. Number five, I wanna share with you this tip and it's the fact that it's all a numbers game. So when it comes down to success and business and making money or getting a book deal or getting what you want in life or even finding a partner to date, everything comes down to numbers. So what do I mean by this? Well, the more I've learned about building six-figure businesses and the more I've studied this stuff, I realized it comes down to a simple thing called conversion rates. <laughs> so what does this mean? Well, Back to what I said about the, the shopping store analogy. If you go into a store, you know, think about everybody that goes into that store that day. For easy numbers, let's say 100 people waltz into your boutique. Not every single person of that 100 is going to buy. A percentage is going to walk in, uh, a percentage is going to stay longer than, you know, 10 minutes, and maybe a percentage is going to buy. Maybe out of 100, you have five people come in and buy a piece of jewelry today, okay? That means 5% are converting to paid customers. So it's all about conversion rates. And if you want more than five customers a day per store, you got to figure out how to increase your traffic. So you can always have that 5% converting, but instead of a hundred people coming in, now you have a thousand people, or maybe you have 10,000 people coming in a day. And that is how we make more sales because we know, okay, if a hundred come in and five buy, well, we can just increase the volume of people coming in th through the store in order to get more sales because we know the conversion rate. So what does this mean in terms of a book deal? Well, I know that with pitching 200 literary agents, I almost signed one. Okay. I almost signed one and I almost, I'm getting actually energetically pretty close to another person, another agent and I have, and I have been going back and forth. So if I, I know that if I send 200 emails to agents, 
I will get one person that's interested. Okay. So that's my conversion rate. You know, one in 200 will say yes. That means that if I pitch 200 more agents, I will get one. Again, I will get another yes. Taking an angle where you look at things in terms of the numbers is really helpful in terms of taking the emotion and the sting out of it and looking at rejection more as a, honestly, like a math problem to solve for. And when I get frustrated with the process, I literally just look at my stats and I think, okay, great. How many people have I pitched today? Amazing. I am, you know, so much closer to, you know, my next 200, right? So if I go down and I sit down and maybe I crank out 30 pitches in a day, I'm like, okay, awesome. Well, I'm 170 away from getting a yes. And I always look at it like that, but I look at things in terms of the lens of numbers because it helps me honestly take out the emotion and the hard bit around it. Same thing goes with sales, with putting yourself out there, pitching for podcast guests, uh, making money online. It's all about numbers. And if you want a yes, if you want a sale, if you want a purchase, you just got to get your stuff in front of more people. So that's been just a huge thing for me. It's just remembering that everything is a numbers game. A really clear story to articulate this point is when I was dating. Um, so when I moved home from France from my exchange when I was living in Paris, I wanted to get serious about finding a relationship and I really wanted a long-term partner. And I told myself, okay, great. Well, if I go on a date with a hundred guys, I am sure there is one guy in there that is a good potential long-term partner. So I came home from France and I would Honestly, I was going on like dates five nights a week. I would stack and pack dates. I was on plenty of fish. I was on Tinder. It was back in like 2014. So there wasn't as many dating sites, but I was on like, okay, Cupid. And I was just meeting up and talking to guys. And if they were interesting, I'd say, let's go get coffee. Let's go for a walk. Uh, let's meet up. And I would just look at it as an experiment. Cause I realized if I just date a hundred guys and go on a single date with a hundred guys, I'm sure one of them is great. And you know what? In that summer, guess who I met? I met Chris. And that was just something that came from the, the numbers game. Now, I think the framework of the numbers game is super helpful. It was a strategy I learned obviously in business school, and that's just been a very helpful framework and a reference point for me in my life because you know, with dating or getting a book deal or putting yourself out there online and selling your stuff, it can be really easy to take the view of, oh my God, 99 out of hundred guys are not great. Or, you know, 199 out of 200 agents don't want my stuff. That can be a very hard pill to swallow when you are not good at understanding what conversion rates mean. But when you understand what conversion rates mean and you know your numbers, you're like, oh, this is like a math problem to solve for. And it just helps honestly, for me, take the sting out of the rejection. So use conversion rates and numbers wherever possible in your life. And remember, it's just a numbers game. Look at the numbers, look at the stats. You know, if you're going on a bunch of crappy dates, just remind yourself, oh my gosh, hey, I've gone through so many crappy dates. That means I'm one step closer to getting a yes. So that's tip number five. Look at things as a numbers game. All right. Tip number six, it is to see rejection as protection. So this concept of rejection being protection comes from Gabby Bernstein and her latest book, Super Attractor. And man, this is just so powerful. And sometimes it's really hard to remember in the moment, but it's something I've been really relying on through this process of getting a book deal because I got so close to signing that agent. It was a really good agent and she had done so many other great books for other well-known influencers and podcasters and writers and bloggers. And I was like, 
man, this is a good, good agency. This would be sweet to sign with this person. And then it ended up being a no. And I had to literally remind myself, okay, rejection is protection. And in some way, the universe is protecting me from something. And man, when you get rejected, just remember that there is something else out there for you. There is a reason why you were rejected. There's something better coming. I know that's a hard point of view to take on in the present moment, but if you can view rejection as protection and have that mantra there when you are kind of going through the inferno and the fire of getting a lot of rejection, it's so helpful. So that's tip number six. That one comes from my girl, Gabby Bernstein. So feel free to write that down on a little sticky note, put it on your computer. Rejection is protection. All right, number seven. This is refusing to believe the stories. So what do I mean by this? Well, okay, I did a lot of research about getting a book deal before I went into this process. You know, I bought a course on how to write a book proposal, how to write your query letter. I looked at a lot of sample query letters of, you know, people that were successful in getting literary agents. I have researched about, you know, what to look for in literary agents, what to ask them on a call everything, what to, to do when you, when it comes time to publishing, talking to publishers, getting on the phone with publishers. I have researched the whole process. So I'm clear on what I need to know going into this. Now, if you go online or if you listen to podcasts, the stories and the news and the mantras and the sort of what's in the collective consciousness is that getting a book deal is extremely hard. And there's a lot of talk around you need at least 50,000 followers. You need a blue check on Instagram. You need to be uh, super special. If you are, you know, if you don't have a blue check on Instagram and a ton of followers, you need to honestly be an expert that has studied and does research at an Ivy League school. You need at least 20,000 people on your email list. You need to have this massive social media following. And there were so many places that said you need all this crap in order to get published by a traditional publishing house. Now, caveat here, you have to understand what is true and what is not. So I know for a fact, and I get this, publishing is print. Print is kind of dying, okay? So when they are looking for people to take on as authors, they want to make sure that if they spend all this time and money and energy and spend this money on this expensive advance to an author, that if they are writing a self-help uh, nonfiction book, that this person has a big enough following that they're going to be able to sell this book to their audience and their audience will buy, right? That makes sense. And I understand that as a business owner and from the viewpoint of the publishing house, I get it, right? I, I totally get that. But on the flip side, I refuse to believe that I need 50,000 followers on Instagram and that I need a blue check mark to get a book publishing deal. There is so much collective consciousness online about, oh my God, it's so hard to get a literary agent. I, Literally, people write articles that are like, I've been pitching my book idea for 10 years and I haven't got a literary agent. Other people are like, oh my God, I had a tiny following and everybody rejected me. And I intentionally choose to block out those stories. And sometimes it's been hard because honestly, people, literary agents get back to me and I've had several that have said, I love your concept. I love your writing style, but I cannot take you on because your following is not big enough. They have said, come back to me. If you get 50,000 followers or 20,000 uh, subscribers on an email list, or come back to me. If you get like a blue check mark on Instagram, like they'll tell me those kinds of things. 
but it is a mindset practice because I have to literally think, okay, well, that's not the agent for me. And I choose to believe otherwise. I believe that I'm going to get an agent that is going to love what I have to say. They are going to love what I have to create and they're going to work with me as is. And we're going to get a publishing house that's going to take this book as is. So I have been actively not buying into the stories that it's extremely hard, takes forever, that you need a huge platform and following. I'm like, no, not doing that. So how have I been combating this? Number one, as Lacey Phillips would say, I have found expanders. My biggest expander is, <laughs> no surprise, Jen Sincero. Jen Sincero pitched her book around the same time I'm pitching my book. Okay, she had a six-figure business. We were doing a similar amount, I think, in terms of sales, uh, following size. I think we are at a similar level of a following. She had about 10,000 people collective in terms of fans. And I was like, okay, I can totally swing that. I totally have 10,000 people in fans that I could totally rely on to get this book. So Jen Sincero has been a huge expander. I have found another, another person who has a small Instagram following who got a book deal. It was traditionally published. She got, she got a six figure advance. I was like, great, amazing expander. Number two, I read this amazing article online of this guy. He had a small following. Um, okay. When I say small following, I'm still saying like, Okay, he had like a 10,000 people on his email list and he kind of had a small following on Instagram of, it was like 5,000 people. But I was like, that's good enough. That's good enough for me. We'll take with it and we'll run with it. You do have to prove that you have numbers in some sense. So I'm looking at numbers in terms of my Instagram following, my email list subscribers, the traffic I get to my website, to my social channels, like, you know, Pinterest or Facebook, what I'm doing in terms of podcast downloads. Those numbers are the numbers I'm relying on. And a traditional publisher will not look at you if you have zero. You have to have something. Do I have 50,000 followers on Instagram? No, but I have... I think a good enough chunk of people that are in my community. You know, another thing I did in terms of this book is I Googled how to get a book deal if you have a small following. And I figured out what people had written about and figured out what they had said. And you can get a book deal with a small following if you write a book that is general to everybody, right? It's not a super niche book. You can only write a super niche book if you are an expert. It has to be a book that's available for everybody. You have to have an amazing writing style um, and you have to have somewhat of a platform, okay? But they will overlook platform if you have a book that's applicable to literally everybody on planet earth and you have an amazing writing style. And I was like, great, I have a book that's applicable for everybody and I have a great writing style because other agents have said so and I laugh when I read my writing out loud. So I got two for two and I got somewhat of a following. So I'm like, that is good enough. So I am choosing to believe that story. Don't believe the crap on the internet, okay? Don't believe the negative stories. I remember I did not buy into the negative stories of how hard it was to find uh, an apartment to rent in Vancouver because there is such a collective consciousness in Vancouver of rent is very expensive and it's competitive to get a place and it's hard to get a place. And I went into, in with the narrative of, no, that's not going to be my story. And when I was living in my apartment uh, downtown, I was, I showed up, I was the only person at the showing and I got it there on the spot. I was like, boom, easy, done, like flowed into my life. And I was like, my book is going to do the exact same. So do not listen to the stories about it being hard and negative and long, refused to believe those. So I'm gonna go into tip number eight, and this is my last tip around what I've been learning through having over 200 rejection letters and something I'm gonna pass on to you as a tip if you're navigating rejection, and it is to have multiple things going. So 
I like to think of this as the visual of juggling. I have three balls in the air and three things I'm always working on. At the start of 2020, I literally was like, I'm only gonna work on the book. Only, only, only gonna work on the book. I'm gonna try to get an agent full-time. It's gonna be my full-time focus to get an agent and get a book publishing deal. I will send out a bajillion pitches a day and I'll just like pump this stuff out and work on it full-time. That was not a good strategy because I was quickly getting disappointed with the speed in which I was getting rejected. So now I have three balls in the air and there's sort of three things I'm working on in my business at once. And this is great because it allows me to put on different hats. And when I get tired of pitching the book, I can switch to something else. So the three things I'm currently juggling is number one, getting a book deal. Number two, working on Your Conscious Empire. I'm currently doing Your Conscious Empire live with my uh, latest round of students right now. And number three, I'm working on my membership program, which is called The Mentorship, which is launching this July officially. And we're in the middle of doing the beta test right now. So I, I have three main projects in the air, right? Those are my three balls that I'm juggling. So when I get tired every day, I'm taking a course on how to learn how to do membership sites. And when I'm tired of studying and thinking about my membership site all day long, I go do some work on for my Conscious Empire students. You know, when I've done all my work for my Conscious Empire students, I go and do some book stuff. When I'm tired of doing book stuff because it kind of gets annoying after a while of pitching people endlessly all day long, I'm like, great, time to work on the membership site. When I get tired of working on the membership, I'm like, yay, Conscious Empire. I like Conscious Empire. I always love working on Conscious Empire, so I never get tired of that. But then when I'm done on my work for that, I go back to the book. Do you see how I'm revolving through th three things? And when I get uh, finished with all my tasks for one, or when I get tired or bored of it, I switch. And it allows me to have multiple balls in the air to keep me always excited and always working on something fresh and fun. When I only had the book going, it was stressful and hard and it felt like I wasn't making progress because I know, you know, with the other two balls I have in the air of Your Conscious Empire and of the membership site I'm launching, I have huge progress and momentum going there. You know, my Conscious Empire students are getting huge results. I'm working with them every single week with the Q&A calls. I, you know, see the questions they're writing in. I'm helping them iterate, get feedback, you know, move along. You know, I see their wins coming into the group, you know, in terms of my membership site, you know, it's, it's fun. We're making progress. I'm, I'm learning, I'm building, you know, it's, it's progress and it's momentum. And that's great because when it comes time to me working on the book, it doesn't always feel like progress and momentum because I'm not actually getting an agent deal. I'm only getting like rejection letters <laughs> until I get the right agent that wants my stuff. But when I get tired of that, I can go into the areas where I am getting progress. So if you have something in your life that is kind of taking some time and it's slow, have two other balls going up in the air so you can be juggling with the three balls total. And you can always be making progress in at least one domain. It makes everything feel so much better. So that's my tip for you and that's tip number eight. Have multiple things going for you. Have like three projects in the air where you're kind of rotating every single week between the things you work on for all three. So folks, that is the episode for you in a nutshell. Uh, PSA one more time. If you know anybody that is a literary agent that does self-help books, please send me an introduction. Uh, get in touch with me via my Instagram, the contact page on my website. I would absolutely love that if you know anybody who is a literary agent that does self-help books, or if you are a literary agent and you would love to work with me and you do self-help books, holla at your girl. You can find me on Instagram. You can contact me through my website. I'm actively looking for a literary agent. So if you know anybody, please hook a sister up. Now to recap today's episode, 
here are the eight things. So number one is this, you have to absolutely love whatever you're doing and you have to believe in it wholeheartedly in order to keep going with all the rejection you're getting. If you do not believe in it, don't do it. <laughs> number two, do not waver in your vision. Have a clear vision of what you want to create, offer, and sell. If other people try to tamper with it or ask for something different, be honest and direct and say, you don't do that. Don't be like me where you say you can write this other book and then have to go back and say, uh, I can't write this other book. Number three, be in your worth. Know your value. Know what you are bringing to the table. Have a strong money mindset, okay? So this was like me. The difference between being like, I will write the book for $0 or a grand versus now being like, you're gonna have to pay me six figures to write this book and that's how much I want in terms of my advance because I am now in my worth. Number four, not everybody will like you. People will disagree with you. They will not believe your concepts. They will not maybe like your writing style, what you're creating, and that is okay. If you are not polarizing, you are not doing it right. If you're trying to make everybody happy, you're not really gonna sell to anybody and really touch anybody's heart. You know, you gotta be taking a stand for what you believe in. You gotta put down your foot for something and you gotta be willing to have people not like you and that is okay if not everybody likes you and that's fine because not everybody is going to come into your store and buy the entire whole collection of what you sell in your store. <laughs> everybody is going to be with their own opinion and you're either going to get the five star reviews on Amazon or the one star and that's okay. That is life. Number five, treat your projects like a numbers game. Understand your conversion rates and take the emotion out of it by looking at it almost as a math problem. If you know that you can get one literary agent out of 200 that you pitch, you know your conversion right now. And every single time you get a rejection, just think, wow, I'm one step closer to getting my dream literary agent. Number six, see rejection as protection. There is some sort of reason the universe is not giving you this thing that you think you want right now. Something better is coming, something different is on the horizon, something even more beautiful than you could ever expect or prepare for is on the way to you, but only if you trust and remember that rejection is protection. It's always a blessing in disguise when you don't get what you want. Number seven, refuse to believe the stories of how hard things are or how long it takes or what the stupid prerequisites are. Do not buy into that, whether that is you searching for an apartment, you trying to get a literary agent, you trying to start your business, you trying to start your dream retreat center in Malibu. Do not believe the stories of what people say of, oh, it's so hard, it took us forever to get a permit. It took me 10 years and I'm still pitching my idea to get a literary agent. Do not believe that. You have no space in your head for that. Choose to believe otherwise. Find expanders who've done it in different ways and focus on that. Don't believe the crap on the internet. There are so many people who are choosing the wrong stories and don't listen to them online. And number eight, have multiple things going. Have three balls that you are juggling at once so that you feel like you're always making progress, especially when you have an area of your life where it's not making progress really quickly. Like for me, like the book, have two other things on the side that you are excited to work on and you are getting momentum from. So that being my Your Conscious Empire Live I'm running right now and the upcoming membership site that is launching in July. Those two things are bringing me joy, making progress, and my students and members are making progress in their businesses. And when it comes time to working on the book. I feel better about it because I'm making progress in other areas of my life and it's okay when I get a ton of rejection on the book because I know other things are going well in other domains. So my friends, that is the show for you. That is the recap for today. I hope you love this. I hope this was helpful for you in one way or another. 
If you did love it, maybe post this on your Instagram stories, tag me in it, leave me a five-star rating and review. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know what you are finding most valuable in these teachings. And I so appreciate you for listening, tuning in and being here with me on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day and I'm so excited to see you back here soon.